This episode is being sponsored by First Response Pregnancy. They are fervently committed to supporting, sharing, and empowering all pregnancy journeys and providing accurate information, especially to those struggling with infertility, loss of a baby, and maternal health inequities. I wanted this so bad, you know? I just wanted it to work so badly. Like, I never wanted anything more. Hi, everyone. It's Olympic figure skater and broadcaster Tara Lipinski, and you're listening to Unexpecting. I started this podcast with my husband and now co-host Todd to bear it all about my untold five-year and often excruciating journey with infertility. The goal is simple, to take this taboo subject and demystify it, to normalize these important conversations, and hopefully to find answers. Nothing is off limits, and over the course of the series, we'll unpack my fertility mystery, the trauma we've endured, and hopefully offer those struggling alongside of us some valuable insight. So laugh and cry with us as we ride this unimaginable fertility roller coaster, hopefully toward a brighter day. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And if you know someone struggling with fertility, tell them about this podcast. Because our path might be different, but it doesn't mean we're lost. Hi guys, I'm Tara Lipinski. And this is Todd Kapasashi. And you're listening to the 10th episode of Unexpecting. So in the last episode of Unexpecting, we're about to leave on this crazy Vegas trip. We had just done our fifth embryo transfer. Um, you had signed up with Johnny at some point to do like a magic TV special with Chris Angel. Yeah, so it was magic with the stars with Chris Angel. Johnny and I were going to compete against each other. I knew I was doing this transfer, but I was like, easy. This is, it's not heavy lifting. It's a magic show. I'm going to be doing like card tricks. Like, no big deal. It's also worth pointing out. I know you're kind of brushing it off. It's like, yeah, Johnny and I were going to go do this. Like, it is your job. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's the other thing to point out that we've kind of pointed out that like life goes on that, you know, even as, as you're talking, I'm thinking in my head, like, should I ask her like why she agreed to do it? But like, you agreed to do it because you get paid and that's your job. And that's, that's what you do for a living. You're that's like what a I broadcaster do. Right. and now like you and Johnny have your thing. So right. it's like, you can't just keep passing up everything for five years. No, and I don't know, you know, we, we really didn't talk about this, but think how much I passed up. I remember even you sometimes saying like, Tara, don't pass, like, <laughs> we got to pay for this treatment. Or like, go to work, get out of the house. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know- I'll you- get a respite from talking about fertility for 10 minutes. <laughs> no, but I feel like it was hard for me because again, you know, treatments are expensive. You know, you want to to be able to continue your own career. You don't want to like lose that momentum. And I felt like I was really giving up a lot. So day eight of this transfer was the first day in Vegas and you tested that day, right? So yeah, I wake up on day eight and the line to me looks significantly less. But when you're in these early stages, it's really hard to tell, right? From day to day, like, yes, you'd love a deep line progression every single day, but it just gave me a funny feeling in my stomach where I was just like, and again, I'm so like now it's like PTSD from all these past miscarriages and just waiting for that other shoe to drop. So, you know, I have to take the test, get dressed and then go down and meet Johnny in the lobby and we have a long 12 hour rehearsal day in front of us and they're filming you and you have to kind of be on and happy. And I was just like, this was, this was my, this was the Olympics 
of all transfers. And I just came in last place in my mind, you know, and it was just like that rock bottom feeling. Well, it's good Johnny was there though, because I know he helped a lot. Just he knew what you were going through. He knows your personality. So he helped get you through that, those rehearsals. I remember. I mean, you know, we've been doing this together for 10 years and we always talk about how we have each other's back and, you know, it's just this really easy partnership and we're there to kind of catch one when they fall. But this was like the ultimate test and it's a personal thing. And he knows how my mind works. He knows how I tick. He knows what I'm feeling without me saying it. And it was just those like, he didn't even have to say anything because there wasn't time to talk about it. It was like, we're on camera and it was just like the pat on the back, the hand on the back that just like, I knew he was there. He'd throw in the jokes when he could tell that I just like didn't have the energy to do it. And he was like watching me and protecting me and just having a friend while you're working through a miscarriage is a blessing. And most people don't have that. So twist, I guess, number one of the Vegas trip was that we were so pumped and so sure that this pregnancy was going to work because day four, we see this line and it just feels like the tide's turning for us. But then this like day eight, Test yeah. was a little bit like, oh, like it feels like we're kind of wandering yeah. back into the beta hell zone right. that we've been in before. But Twist 2 is kind of even more crazy because this show, this Chris Angel magic show that you agreed to do, which you thought was going to be pretty simple and illusions, maybe card tricks, right. didn't really know Much. exactly what yeah. it was going to be, kind of changed a little bit, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah, we're like up there on the stage doing rehearsals. And the first one was easy. It was like, oh, I like walked into this thing and just like there was a lock and I just had to like... Well, don't, well, don't reveal it. That's, okay. <laughs> we got to go to the... There's like a magic house in LA. Yeah. I don't want to be banned from that. <laughs> so so I was like, okay, this, like, this is what I thought, right? And then he's like, okay, for the finale, what we're going to do is we're going to put you in a straight jacket and we are going to hang you upside down on a crane and take you to the top of this big Las Vegas, you know, theater and then you upside, like 50 feet in the yeah, air upside, upside down. down, you have to, you know, find your way out of the straitjacket. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I think if they would have pitched you that like a few months ago, you wouldn't have agreed to do it. I don't think pregnant. Oh my God. Are you kidding? Never. So like, I'm sure like whatever reaction, cause everything was on camera during this rehearsal day, like they couldn't use. Cause I probably just looked at Johnny and was like, no, I can't, I can't do that. First off, I'm terrified of heights. Second guys, Chris Angel is legit. He's amazing. And these shows are not just like, oh, celebrities just doing like, we'll give you the the inside scoop. Like they do a little bit, but this straight jacket was like his real straight jacket. And there's no like magic thing. Like you have to- He's just unhooking it really. But you're really yeah. unhooking it and there's a way to do it, but it's hard. And like, while I was standing up, I couldn't even undo it. I was like, first off, I just said like, I had to, I had to tell them. I was like, I'm, 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 I'm pregnant. Like it just couldn't happen. The other thing to build the stakes here, and I don't want to get in trouble with Chris Angel, but like, I don't know if you read this, like two months after you did the show, like Genuine, the, uh, the R&B singer who like Pony yeah. was his like famous song from the, you yeah. probably loved it in the 2000s. I did. Yes, <laughs> 2000s. Dude, I love it. He almost died in that same show. Yeah. He no. drowned almost. Okay, no. but I'm, I'm, I can't, I can't reiterate that these tricks that you're watching, it's an amazing show because 
I, I'm not kidding. Like that's yeah, an amazing show. He's like killing off celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of show is that? No, but I mean, you're really learning these tricks that are so difficult. Like I couldn't get over the straight jacket. Like my arms hurt, my shoulders were hurting. I couldn't get out of it. So I had to go and, and talk to him and the staff and just be like, guys, I'm pregnant and I'm not going to be able to like go upside down and do this trick. So I will try to just do the straight jacket trick. You know, they can put together a little program I do and and make it fun just on my feet, standing up where I just get out of the straight jacket because Blame. that, no, no, that is hard <laughs> enough. Like I couldn't figure it out. It was like two hours and he's trying to teach me. I mean, these latches were so difficult. So anyways, I had to kind of let everyone in on on why I wasn't, because I felt awful. It's like you show up at a show and you should try to just like do what they ask. Yeah, I was there for most of it. I came a little later, but I just remember on the main day where you were starting to panic a little bit about your numbers, it was like interesting to watch you because it was the first time in a while where I feel like you got back into like panic mode. Like we had settled into this this world of like failure where we kind of expected it and it was kind of failure and it would have been amazing if it like actually worked, but, and we were obviously sad and down, um, for a lot of it, but there was no like anxious panic. This was, I think you thought this was going to work with all of your heart that when it started to maybe go downhill, I panicked. you were panicked because you started calling for, to try to do all these beta tests. I was like leaving set, like on breaks, like, Ubering to like Quest Diagnostics to get yeah. to get blood work to like get my HCG checked. And then, I mean, yeah, I was at the point where I really, in my mind, it felt like, you know, like just this fine, thin string that I was like holding on by like, please don't break because I, I don't know how to put my brain back together. Yeah. And it's like really hard for me to describe this scene, but like watching you, I wish I could, I have such vivid memories of that trip because I would... You know, when I came, I would like sit, like when you were rehearsing, I would like sit in the, yeah. the theater. It was like a, a real, yeah. uh, just like a, a theater. So I was sitting there watching you and Johnny and you kind of interacting and you have like Chris Angel, who's this like massive, like larger than life kind yeah. of character. He's a magician. He's teaching you these tricks. And I can see that you are so panicked constantly. And you're then like rushing off the stage and like calling to try to set up, like to get yeah. a, a testing done. Yeah. And like, it, it just like, I was watching like, I know this sounds like corny and weird, but like I was literally, you know, in a theater seat, like watching kind of the hell yeah. that you had gone through yeah. and like that's you were interesting. putting on this like show, <laughs> this I, like horror show It probably for me. was, it's so weird the way you're describing it because it probably was uh, some like weird movie, you know, because it's like- Well, it's like, you know, when you- I'm like happy for a minute when I'm having to do a trick and then I'm like, you know, you can probably see me like scurrying off. And- yeah, it's funny. It was like- disturbingly theatrical like right. what I was watching. Like one minute you'd be like listening to Chris Angel and him telling you how he's going to hoist you up 30 feet. And then I'd see you like on your phone trying to like yeah. make plans or where can I get a pregnancy yeah. test or yeah. Johnny trying to kind of console you. And it was almost like that, you know, in Euphoria, I don't know what season it is where she, the one girl puts on <laughs> yes. the play. Yes. <laughs> and how disturbing it is. And yeah. I'm angry. What, there's a meme yeah. from that. That's I probably think, from that what episode. it was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like even Johnny was rattled by this one because he's been through, you know, he heard about all these things. And I think like, he was probably, I feel like he was pissed. Like, why the hell is this not working? I feel like even he was like watching out for me. Like they wanted to put smoke 
down on the floor and you know, he, he looked over at me and he probably knows that I was thinking like, what chemicals are going to be in that smoke? And he's like, you know, I think we, you know, and he's over there telling them no less smoke for her. Like I'll do the smoke. Like it was Easy just, on the smoke easy. for Lipinski. Yeah. That's like what you would say. Yeah. But I feel like it was just like, we were all out there in this weird, you're right. We were in this like weird euphoria play. It was like a bizarro scene. It really was. Yeah. I remember this is so funny, but like, I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but like Lance Burton, who's like also this older famous <laughs> like magician, like during, like while I'm watching you, like sidles up next to me. He's like, Hey, I'm Lance. I'm like, Oh yeah. Lance Burton, like a famous nineties magician is like chatting with me. I'm watching you and Johnny do these tricks while I know you're like melting, your, down. melting down in your own head. So you talked about it, but I do remember God, probably after the rehearsal or maybe the next day, I don't remember, we got in a cab and went to like a testing center in Las Vegas. Yes. So what were the results of that test? So we did our first HCG test and it was the highest that we've ever had. So that was like hopeful, but it was still low. And you just were like, damn, just give us a, a give us a big number where we feel safe. Like you were saying, just to feel like this is going to be a strong, healthy pregnancy but we didn't know, right? So we're like, okay, this is the best we've ever had, but it's still kind of low. And I just sort of felt like in my gut at that moment, I knew we were going to go into this like beta hell. Yeah. So you take that test and then obviously you have probably in your suitcase, 15 pregnancy tests. And I know you start taking those um, that day and the next day. And I don't think they were looking good, right? No, they weren't. And it's like they said, like it was the highest number we had, but it wasn't really a number you want. And you want a strong, healthy number and you want that reassurance. And the numbers have to double every two days. And when you're starting low, it just, it, it makes it a little bit dicey. And I... You know, people are probably like, oh my God, you're going off of these pregnancy tests. But first off, these pregnancy tests are that accurate. And I can say that through all of my treatments, all of my pregnancy tests, they they never failed me. They were exactly what I thought they were going to be. They were the numbers I predicted them to be. When I started to see them go bad or drop, like that's exactly the day that my HCG would drop from my blood results. So it's like, you know, it wasn't like just like, oh, I had a feeling things weren't going right. Like, I could see it. And I knew the next few days when I was testing, I was like, it's freaking hap it's happening again. It's just happening again in the same goddamn way. <laughs> just to finish off this story too, which is really, really, really sad to me, is that like, I don't know, you know, the show taped and it's like in front of a live audience. So mm -hmm. there's like a thousand people in there. And I know what you're going through trying to like answer Chris Angel's questions yeah. about his magic trick and, you know, go through this whole thing and knowing that this is probably not going to be a successful pregnancy. And I know that like you ended up, I don't know what you, I mean, you can explain, you sort of ended up like they kind of, not that they pressured you, but you no. ended up doing the trick, like actually being hoisted up. Yeah. To be honest, I was like tired of for five years changing my life, not doing things in my life and just like giving up things for these pregnancies that never happened. And I remember calling my doctor and saying like, is it okay if I do this trick? Like even if somehow this pregnancy test turns around and it was like, yeah, 
Like, you know what I mean? Like pregnant women don't even know that they're pregnant and they're doing all sorts of things. Like this is fine. So I just was like, screw it. And I was like, hey guys, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take me upside down. I'm going to do it. And I think I was also like so angry at life in that moment a little bit that like, you know me, like I hate heights. So the fact that I even volunteered to do this trick is kind of interesting because like they took me up like, I don't know how many feet in the air, but it was insane. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do the trick. And then you're right. Like the whole show, it just was that like, it's this like weird, hazy memory I have of just like being a performer. And that's part of what being an athlete and a performer is, is like you don't feel your best and you put on a show and you never phone it in. So that's what I did. But I do this trick for the show, right? And for some reason, I put the wrong hand of my straight jacket in front of the other. So when they take me up, I mean, I almost died. I'm like, like if they left me up there any longer, I feel like I would have passed out. So like Johnny does it quick in and out. No big deal. I had practiced it a few times. Easy. I figured it out. They take me up for the live show. I put the wrong hand or whatever it is and like the strap that I need to grab. I can't grab. So I'm upside down spinning in this thing and I can't grab the thing and I'm getting frantic actually. And I start screaming to Chris because the judges are there but he can't hear me. And and then like, I hear him saying like, oh, it's been a while. And I'm like, I'm like trying to tell them like, help me, like take me down. Like I couldn't do it. And then finally somehow I found it and it like all worked out. But like, I was like, I was like, this is my near death experience. <laughs> but the most heartbreaking thing I think from that show was like, they had built up because they had done, they had filmed the rehearsal and they had seen the interactions with you and Chris where you were like, oh, I'm afraid of heights. Right. And like, I don't know if I want to do it, but they didn't obviously say why. Right. <laughs> like, no, I mean, I told them it, like, you can't. Yeah, they essentially made it like, you're so afraid of heights that you don't want to do right. it. And then so for the final show in front of the live audience, like you did it and they built that up of like, Tara wasn't going to do it and now she's going to do it. And again, I don't know how to articulate this properly, but it was so surreal to me to be sitting there right behind Chris Angel's little, they had right. like three judges or something. And I'm sitting back there and they're putting on this like show where they're pretending like you didn't want to do it because of heights and now you're doing it and the crowd went, like you did it. And then the crowd like went crazy. And it's like, because she was afraid of heights. And I'm sitting there thinking like, like I know. again, we've like, you don't want to say no to like your jobs right. and you're doing yeah. all this stuff and yeah. you show up, you have yeah. this hellacious three days there. You're telling them I can't do it because I'm pregnant. Then maybe you're not pregnant. Then you say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to yeah. do it. And then they make it into this sort of like, she conquered it because right. she hates heights. And right. I'm sitting there thinking, like looking at you. And here's like, a happy ending. And like, there's no happy end. Everyone's cheering, standing ovation. And you're like, like <laughs> just a bizarre, like four or five days. And yeah, kind of sad. And I don't know. Kind of. <laughs> this is fucking weird. <laughs> Lance Burton was there for it all. <laughs> um, we had taken a few blood tests during that trip. Like again, we had like left taken right. a cab to some <laughs> testing center and yeah. come back. Um, and on that last day in Vegas, it actually, the numbers improved slightly, right? Yeah, they did. We had like a little growth spurt, which we hadn't really had in our other pregnancies. So it was like, it's always nice when it's not repeating the same thing over and over and over again. That's where like so much of the trauma comes from. It's like, you know what's going wrong before it goes wrong. And this time it, it jumped up a little bit and I was like, okay, like we always doubled in this time period. It was always three to four weeks later 
that things would go wrong. But I was like, I'm going to take hope in this. I'm going to say like septum, maybe this was just a little bit of a slow start and we're gaining speed. So you go home and we're still sort of in this limbo and you actually then went on a girl's trip, right? Yeah, I went on a girl's trip, which was hard because a lot of times during this infertility stuff, it was just hard to go on trips or, you know, just logistically, but also just emotionally to have to tell my messed up story to everyone. It just felt like it was work and sad work at that. But this time I was like, okay, I'm going to be hopeful. I'm going to just like, this is it, you know? So I went on this trip and, you know, I even remember it was like all of my girlfriends. So I don't know, there's like 10 of us. So many people flew in. Obviously there were a few people that, you know, knew I was pregnant and what was happening. But I remember like the first night we sit down at dinner and I was like brave enough, which like I said, a lot of times I would keep this stuff to myself. And I just was like, girls, I'm pregnant, you know? And It was just such an interesting, again, it's like getting that pregnancy test for the first time when you're naive and you see it and it's exciting. It was just like that reaction that I imagine most people that go through uncomplicated, you know, pregnancies have. So I feel like I was kind of on this like hyped up, it could work train where I felt comfortable enough to tell them. But it is weird because it's like, I was like, this doesn't feel like this should happen to me where I have a normal experience of like telling a group of people I'm pregnant and then watching their reactions and it's exciting and, you know, just wait, that's not for me. And they actually like got you a cake. Oh, I know. We we went to dinner and like it was one of our girlfriend's like birthdays we were celebrating and then they surprised me with a little cake that said, congratulations, Tara. And... You know, it was just surreal. And I think for a little bit, I thought this is it. Like, you know, they go out and they were playing tennis one day and I was like, well, I'm going to sit back. I'm pregnant. And I kind of just like felt a little joy like it was happening. Yeah. So you get home from that girl's trip and then what happens? You start doing a lot of beta tests and just the agony of waiting. Yeah, it's just then the waiting for the heartbeat test because that's where things always went wrong for us. So we were doing beta testing and we were doubling. And because the numbers were, you know, a little bit higher, you know, the betas were getting much higher, which was good. Um, Gestational scan went well. And yeah, now it's just what's going to happen. And now a quick word from our sponsors. First Response is fervently committed to supporting, sharing, and empowering all pregnancy journeys and provide accurate information, especially to those struggling with infertility, loss of a baby, and maternal health inequities. First Response knows that when testing for pregnancy, you want to be sure of your result. That's why they created Comfort Check, a pregnancy test kit that helps you test confidently and conveniently. The First Response Comfort Check Pregnancy Test Kit is a value pack containing eight total tests, three First Response Early Result Tests, and five First Response Pregnancy Test Strips, allowing women to test early and often for added reassurance. First Response's Early Result Test included in the Comfort Check Kit is their number one best-selling pregnancy test. It detects all major forms of the pregnancy hormone commonly found in urine and is over 99% accurate from the day of your expected period, with results ready to be read in just three minutes. The First Response Comfort Check Pregnancy Test Kit is available for purchase in-store and online. Be sure to pick one up today. 
I wanted to give you more information about Receptiva DX. I feel very lucky that I was able to take this test and remove some of the mystery out of my own fertility journey. A diagnosis of unexplained infertility is difficult and miscarriage is traumatic. So I'm thankful there's a test like Receptiva DX that can provide insight and answers that many people are desperately seeking. Receptiva DX is a powerful test that can help detect inflammatory conditions on the uterine lining that might be preventing you from becoming pregnant or staying pregnant. If you have experienced implantation failure or recurrent pregnancy loss, ask your doctor about Receptiva DX testing. If found, uterine inflammation can be treated, providing a new pathway to achieving a successful pregnancy. Treatment options can improve the chances for a successful live birth fivefold. To learn more, please visit ReceptivaDX.com or ask your doctor if this test is right for you. So I feel like I'm a broken record, but go into the heartbeat scan and just tell me about that heartbeat scan. So we go into the heartbeat scan and you were with me this time. And Dr. Beck, you know, is, is, is searching, like I always say, but I can tell she sees something. And I'm like, cause you know, I'm just watching her. I'm not watching the screen anymore. It's like, just want to see the doctor's face. Cause I'll, I'll know it all. And she's like, I, I feel like I see a flicker. I feel like I see a flicker of a heartbeat. And, you know, just that hope rises in you. But then it's also like the realistic part of me is like, we should be seeing like more than just a flicker and we should be getting a actual heart rate right now. And it was like such a, so low that she couldn't, she's like, I can't even pick up the heart rate, but come back in a week. And it wasn't like, as dire as the last ones, but it also wasn't good news. And I remember like me and you had an awkward moment. Like we didn't really know what to do. You know, like I feel like people go into these appointments and it's like either like you have these amazing memories of there's the heartbeat and you're filming it and dead and this and, you know, all these like amazing moments that you have, or it's like a devastating thing of, I'm sorry, there's no heartbeat. And this was one of those weird ones where I just awkwardly, do you remember this? I feel like I had my like, they give you the little like gown part at the bottom. And I just like had that around me and I'm just like kind of standing close for you. And I was just like, all right, can you give me, you know, like I need, I need a hug. And I didn't even know, like, am I, are we Yeah, it was awkward because it was or... like, what conversation are we going to have? Because it's going to be, you know, you, it's hopeful, obviously, but not what you want to hear. Like, yeah, oh, what were maybe, you thinking? Maybe I hear a, see a flicker. Like, what did you to be think? honest? Weirdly, I think it was the last episode. I sort of described like losing kind of all like hopefulness and patience. I was always the like optimist guy. Like, oh, it'll be fine. Like, what are you worrying about? Like, this is only day four. It'll be fine on day six. Like, by this point, I realized that like nothing was really going right for us. And when she's like. Again, what we just talked about in this episode, right. of like day four, that never happens for us. And it did. Like, it feels like this is different. Right. Like, this felt like we were right back in the like, well, I, I might see some sort of like flicker of a heartbeat, but probably not come back in a week. It just felt like, okay, so we're going to go home. Tara's going to take three more tests a day right. for a week. We're going to be up and down and looking at these tests and then come back in and it's, there's not going to be anything. And so I, I, I don't remember being hopeful, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I remember just How feeling- How did you feel? I just felt awkward. I didn't know what to do. It's like, it's not like I'm going to high five you and happy hug you. And it wasn't like I was falling on the ground crying, 
But also, I'm like, I don't know how to explain the numbness at this point. There was like no emotion really in me anymore from like fertility. It felt like it like sucked my soul dry and just made me emotionless, which is so bizarre because I mean, you put on a song, I'll start crying. I mean, like I'm the most emotional human being and it just became like, I became robotic and it was just like, didn't know what to do. All right, let's go home. (laughs) Yeah. So we have that week in between. And I think obviously you were kind of reading online and trying to hang on to any, you know, story that you found. Again, I just think there was so much pressure on this one and high anxiety. And I think everyone in my life felt it. My friends felt it. They were checking in every day. They wanted to see the sticks. And, you know, my mom and I, every single day, like I'd call her, I'd be like, mom, like, this is what the stick looks like. And she'd be worried. And she'd be like, is it darker? And we'd talk about it and analyze it. And, you know, my dad would be doing, you know, what he does best. Of, <laughs> I don't know how you describe him, but like, you know, he was like, let me give you a graph and show you that this, this pregnancy looks stronger. And, you know, it was just like everyone was so desperate for this to work. But so we wait that week and it's sort of agonizing and then just describe that second heartbeat scan. Yeah, the second heartbeat scan was just... You know, we went in and she was just like, I don't see anything. And this one hit me like really hard, still numb, but just like, it just felt like it was over. This was it. This was over. Something is so wrong. I've tried so hard. four miscarriages the same way. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like I give up. Like I just sort of like for so long was like, you know, the meme of like, pick me, pick me. Like no one wants to pick me on this. So it's like, fine. Like whatever. (laughs) I was just completely hopeless. Like there was nothing else. I felt like I researched it all. I did it all. Like, I'm just maybe not meant to be able to do this. And there was just no plan. There was literally no plan at this point. And it was just devastating. Like, I wanted this so bad, you know? I just wanted it to work so badly. Like, I never wanted anything more. I just wanted it like more than anything, you know, (laughs) I just really, I don't know. Yeah. It's almost too like, I don't know really how to put this, but it's like at this point, it's not that we were out of answers. We were like out of questions. Yeah. There was was no question to even ask at this point. Like, what do we okay, like we do another retrieval to like replenish embryos. Do we try another transfers, a transfer that fails the same way every time? There was just nothing. There was nothing. There was like nothing. And I just remember this time, like walking out of that room and for some reason she wanted like blood test. And um, I was like trying to hold it together. And I went to the, lab 
And I just saw my nurse, Erica, come like running after me. Again, sort of like, you don't see that happening. Like, it's kind of like I would assume (laughs) a break in protocol. And she was just like so upset. And she just like gave me this big hug, like this big hug. And I just started like, you know, dry heaving, crying, like in the middle of the clinic. And she's just like, let it out, let it out. Like, and I just like, it was like just this really beautiful moment because a lot of times in these clinics, it just feels like, you know, just like a doctor's office. And this was like just a real human moment where I was just like, she knew it. Like, I felt like I almost was like falling in her arms. Like I just like didn't even have the energy anymore to like go on like physically, emotionally, mentally, just nothing. I just felt like, I don't know, just kind of dead inside. The other thing that was kind of cruel about this is that your HCG like skyrocketed around this time. So like you were getting like morning sickness, sort of all the signs of pregnancy without yeah. A heartbeat. Yeah. My, I was almost at it, like a hundred thousand. Like that's how high my HCG was. So I was like really, you know, nauseous, really. It was like and worse at night, but like, you know, really sick. And that's like a weird feeling, which like you want to have that when you're pregnant, you know, because it's a sign of pregnancy. And for me, I used to beg for that. You know, I just wanted to have the nausea and now I had the nausea, but like the weirdest feeling knowing it wasn't going to be a viable pregnancy. So I was just like laying on the couch, like wanting to throw up all day and just not pregnant. So what was the plan on this pregnancy to, since it wasn't viable to have it removed? So I had a Plan DNC with Dr. Beck. And the night before I picked up my medicine and I, um, it's a suppository that you use before procedures to sort of soften all the tissue and, and everything to make it really accessible and easy for the procedure. It also is the pill that brings on miscarriage. And throughout, you know, my years of miscarriage, Dr. Beck never really wanted me to take that drug just because of my endometriosis and the type of pain that could be associated with it. It just could be very intense. And once it starts, you can't really stop it. So, you know, if I'm getting cramps, it would sort of trigger all this other pain for me. Um, And the plan has always been that I take it usually like three hours before a procedure. And I just blanked and took the pill you know, use the suppository the night before. And within two hours, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night, you were sleeping and it's like weird. I don't know why I didn't even wake you up. And I just remember just this like torturous cramps and pain. And you're like so sad that it's like this weird feeling where you're like weird, like not that you deserve this pain, but it's just like, it's fine. Like just let this pain be here. And then at moments it was like I was kind of scared for (laughs) what I was going to go through. No one ever really talks about miscarriage like this. You know, I never had a, you know, I thought that I was about to have a miscarriage at home and I, you know, you don't really hear enough of like exactly what's going to happen to your body and what is it going to feel like. It's just like these brief 
little snippets and you're like, but I'm scared. Like, I don't know what's going to happen next. And you're just kind of waiting and the cramps came and then the endo pain came and it was like so intense. I was like, oh my God, I took, tried to take the pill out. Like it was just like breathtaking. And um, then all of a sudden I felt, you know, I don't, obviously this is also probably triggering for people. So it's like, you know, I want to keep it as, you know, brief as possible, but you, you know, I felt a gush and, you know, could barely make it to the bathroom. And, um, I sat in there for hours and like doubled over cramping pain. Like it felt like contractions and, the worst part was just the endo pain. The endo pain was insane. And then, yeah, like I just remember being like, it's so weird I didn't wake you up. And I was just in there like just so sad that like, or just like so tired or sad or just wanting this all to be over. And then like just in so much pain on top of it. And then you know, I felt something pass and like, I was like, don't look, don't look like you can't look at this. Um, and the pain and contractions immediately stopped. And I just remember like just laying there and knowing I had to get up in a few hours for a DNC and just like, I don't know, it's sort of like, I knew that this one was all my money had been on this one and it just was gone. And there was like nothing I could do about it. Like I, my body just, just like didn't want to do this. It just, I just wanted it so, so badly. I really wanted it so badly. I know. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, this one was hard. Just, thought you know it was the one and you're right no one does talk about this I mean do you think you passed most of that pregnancy that night no I don't think so because like like I said I took out I tried to take out but I'd like already started I tried to take out the pill but I did look and like I didn't understand exactly what it was but like because of what I saw from Dr. Najat's surgery like it was, you know, there's a lot of tissue, there's blood, there's a lot going on in there. So you just don't know exactly, but obviously went in for the DNC and my numbers, my HCG numbers dropped dramatically um, from like that high 100,000. And then Dr. Beck went in for the DNC and knew uh, like needed to get the rest of the tissue out. You don't want any retained tissue. So she finished the procedure. What's so weird too, though, and sad and crazy is that I think you told me this that you still keep some of the cells from yeah the pregnancy. I'm gonna probably pronounce it wrong, but I think it's called microcharism. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but yeah, they're you know it's beautiful, and I think a lot of people in the community like really love the idea of this, but it's essentially where like when you're carrying these pregnancies that some of the fetal cells stay in your your body for years and that there's this like connection um, 
you know, between the baby and you. So it's, I like to think that there's like four of those. I feel like we're doing this detached podcast. Should you, you want to put your bare feet up on me so yeah. we have some sort of connection, connection for the end of this? Yeah. Maybe I'll give you Can a you foot rub. Can you give me rub. a foot rub? Yeah, maybe I'll give you a foot massage to make you feel better. Okay, that feels this better. This is a constant ask. It is. It's a household. <laughs> Usually you get a one hand. I get a one hand. <laughs> um, so after going through all that, where were we supposed to go from here? Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Like after every failure in the past, I always would sometimes say to you or say to my friend, like, I give up. I give up. It's it's over. I'm I'm done. Those were like my lines. And then, you know, I'd get this like urge to just jump back in and have that hope and have that drive. And like I feel like this time I was just like, I give up. Thanks for listening to Unexpecting the Podcast. Please subscribe, leave a review, and follow Unexpecting Pod on Instagram for info about upcoming weekly episode releases. And hey, DM me on Instagram if you'd like to engage about fertility. I'd love to hear your story because our path might be different, but it doesn't mean we're lost. This episode has been sponsored by First Response Pregnancy. Their Comfort Check Pregnancy Kit and all other products are available for purchase in-store and online.